not in a sermon series right now. This is kind of a standalone. Um, and this last week for me has been full. Um, it's been a full week, uh, a heavy full week. Um, la- um, last week, of course, we got to celebrate um, Easter together, which is a joy. Um, but we're also candid about the fact that the week leading up to Easter was a challenge. Uh, and by Monday, I was gassed. I had no energy. I was exhausted on Monday. Tuesday, I was still feeling exhausted. <laughs> um, like I had a, a full day here and then went into uh, and then went back home and like crashed on the couch. And like, you know, I hate those moments where it's the sleep is so good that you didn't know you were sleeping <laughs> like. I blinked, and wait, what is this on my face? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We all have those moments, and if you haven't, listen. Like, you know, like it's all right. You'll get there. Just, just keep living, right? <laughs> uh, and then Wednesday and Thursday were full of activity, and there was a funeral on Friday. Um, and uh, many of us know that, you know, there was Patrick Leolia's funeral was on Friday here, um, and there were folks who went to that funeral, but because of the funeral for Patrick Leolia, there was a service here. There was a person who passed away who literally couldn't find anyone to participate, do, do their service. Um, so I was like, okay, all right, so that's not a thing. So I, I don't even know this person. It's just like, let's go and serve this family. Um, and so that was basically what Friday was. Um, and say, I'm all, saying all that to say that it's been a heavy week. And in the middle of the week for, to feel like the Holy Spirit is talking about baptism, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> like, like, you do realize that it's like, this is, it's heavy, right, Lord? Um, uh, but as I was pr- praying about and planning for today, um, immediately I started to think about, um, in light of that baptism, God's Love for us that saw us when we were in our stuff. So this is a reminder for some of us, right? This is not a sermon that's like, ooh, I've never heard that before. That's a new concept. Wow. No, it's not. We'll be in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's not an unfamiliar passage, But it's good for us to be reminded at times. I actually needed to be reminded of this this week. And so may our hearts be encouraged and reminded. Paul is writing and he says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, I got arrested there at that portion of scripture. I've told you all before that there are times where I'm reading the Bible and I like literally can't move forward without pausing and processing what just was said. So therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, some of us have lived and even been taught theologically, that we are made right in God's sight by faith and what we do or what we don't do. 
you can wake up assured of your faith if you didn't sin last night. That's what some of us believe. We sin the night before and we wake up unsure if we're saved anymore. (laughs) Just saying it because we've lived it. We've been taught that. But Paul's words are, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Chase, are you about to tell me that it doesn't matter what I do and what I say? No, I'm not going to tell you that. That's not, a, that's not truth. That's, that's a lie. That's not what Scripture says either. But I am what I am about to tell you is that we can have peace with God because we have been made right in God's sight by our faith in Christ. Amen. If we don't have anyone who helps us comb through the difference between me living as an example of God and being made right in God and to comb through what the difference is, then I live with an anxiety about what I'm saying and or doing and or not saying and or not doing or how much I'm growing or how much I'm giving or when did I cuss somebody out or when did I, when should I have said this and I was in the elevator with him, I should have told him about Jesus and I'm forfeiting the peace that comes with being made right in God's sight by faith. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. I got stopped again. This is not, Paul isn't the only one to say something like this. James talks about this. Paul says it again in another letter. How in the world do I rejoice in struggle? If I don't have peace, that I have been made right with God, based upon my faith, Right? If I don't have that peace, then I start blaming my struggle on something that I've did or I didn't do. And some of us have been there. We got friends like Job's friends. <laughs> like, ooh, it's tight right now financially. Maybe it's because you're not giving enough. I'm only saying it because someone said it to me. <laughs> You're not experiencing the favor of God the way that you're, uh, the other people in your life are, are experiencing it. Maybe you have some secret sin that you need to go and confess to the Lord. I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying that we don't need to confess. I am saying, though, that we have been made right in God's sight by faith in Christ Amen. and can have peace yes. with God. Because of it. So when 
challenges come, I don't immediately have to start condemning myself. Because not every struggle is a punishment. Some, let's, hey, we can be real. Some of them is a spanking. <laughs> Some struggles are a spanking, <laughs> right? Look, we're just saying that he's a good, good father. And sometimes the good, good father needs to put us in timeout, <laughs> right? But if I believe that every struggle I have is the result of some separation between the Father and I, I'm not even living in the peace that he's afforded me by being made right in God's sight through faith in Christ. You, you, hopefully you catch that. I'm going to keep saying that. Because there, many of us have been walking with the Lord or avoiding walking with the Lord for decades because we don't feel right. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. <laughs> Arrested again. <laughs> when we were utterly helpless, I liked being able to figure out things on my own. I want to figure out my salvation by myself. I'm going to be honest, I do. Because if I don't have to be vulnerable before God and other people, then nobody has to see my messiness. But if I have been made right with, in God's sight by faith in Christ, then I can acknowledge and embrace and enjoy the truth that when I had no ability to help myself, Christ came and died for me. How about not just when? I know, I know this is Paul's writing, and we respect Paul. Paul, you're a holy fella. But that when isn't a matter of a time in my life when I was helpless. Think about that as an extent, right? You know, when we say when you get to that point in life, man, you know you need to go on and let it go. When you get to that point, it's not about a time. Right? It's about enduring something for so long. We had endured helplessness for so long when we were utterly helpless, unable to do anything to pull ourselves up to a space of rightness with God. Christ died for us. I'm going to do what an old pastor used to do. Die for us holy people. Right? The old pastors do that, say the opposite on purpose. Died for us sanctified folks. Died for us chosen people. No. Died for us sinners. Even if we don't plan on, even if, we, even if we've already given our lives to Christ, 
One of the things that we don't do well as a church is remind ourselves of this. So when we are working with people who are far from God, when our family members are far from God, we for some reason have the expectation that they come clean. (laughs) We have the expectation that they not cuss around us. We have the expectation that they not drink when we come in the room. We have the expectation that they don't live together unmarried. We have the expectation that they don't dot, dot, dot in the Bible. That's not how it works. Jesus came and died for me while I was cussing. Jesus came and died for me while I was living unmarried with my spouse. Jesus came and died for me while I was struggling with dot, dot, dot addiction, dot, dot, dot habit, dot, dot, dot whatever. Jesus didn't come and die for me when I realized I needed him. Jesus came and died when I was avoiding him. I didn't want him and he died for me anyway. I knew within the depths of my soul that I didn't need him, but he still wanted to be around me to, to not convince me, to show me otherwise. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by death, by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies. There's a comma there, but I'm supposed to like pause and then keep moving. We don't always consider ourselves to be enemies of God. So let's break that down for a moment, because sometimes we feel like an enemy of God would be someone who is actively working against God. Like they, an enemy of God may walk into a church on a Sunday and disrupt the service. Yeah, that might be it. An enemy of God is anybody who is avoiding the mercy and grace and love that this God intends to extend. And that feels like, oh, that's extreme. But ultimately, the end of what that looks like as I avoid God is it looks like me trying to figure it out on my own. And as I try to figure it out on my own, I take authority in my own life. And as I take authority in my life, I miss the details that would allow me to honor the people around me. And eventually I begin to dishonor his children. And as I dishonor his children, I dishonor their father. And as I dishonor their father, I'm an enemy of God. Do I have to Cuss God out on a Sunday morning to be his enemy? No. All I have to do is not show a con- consistent concern for creation. One of the things I tell, like, tell our um, kids, we've talked about this before, like a way to show, the best way to show your mother and I that you love us is to love your siblings. <laughs> There's something that's going to happen inside of me when I 
separate myself from God that's going to make it really difficult for me to love his creation because they're going to get on my nerves one day. <laughs> they're going to get on my nerves one day. And because I'm the authority of my life, I'm going to punish them. And in so, dishonor the creator. And in that very act, become an enemy of God. God is loyal <laughs> to his creation. And we'll jump in real quick. So starting at that beginning of that verse again, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. You thought I was going to move on, didn't you? There's a contrast there on purpose. Friendship and enemies. My friendship with this God was restored even before I said I wanted to be his friend. This is what mercy looks like. This is what mercy looks like. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. That should serve as a reminder for some of us but also for some of us, that's new information. Especially if we have walked near and around Christians for a while. Sometimes we give off an air of having it to have it all together. And that doesn't actually lead to peace and joy. It actually leads to anxiety in our lives. The reminder for us is that while we were, those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while, while we were in our mess, Christ was bleeding for us. And while those around us are messy, God is bleeding for them. And may we never forget, may we never forget that it is not our, we were not predestined to be glorified with God. That's, I, listen, I know that, but for some of us, it's going to step on some toes. They're like, well, so we live in West Michigan and it's pretty reformed here. No. What we were predestined for was punishment. That's what sin does. Mercy jumps in in the middle of that and says, this is the road that you were headed down and I'm making a detour. Not because of anything other than my love for you, period. Take it or leave it. You can keep heading down that road if you want to, but know that I've made a detour for you because I love you. 
I want good for you. That is what love is. Unconditional desire to see good on another person's behalf with no strings attached to it. God does not give good love and mercy to us so that we have do something for him before you have the ability to do anything for him. <laughs> he created a detour. And it's the evidence that I'm on the road that is the Holy Spirit. Not once you get the Holy Spirit, you're on the road. No, while I'm on the road, the way I know I'm on the road is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is, this is, I know Easter, we talked about the resurrection. This is what life is like after Easter. This is what the whole point of what the resurrection was for is so that we can share with those around us who are messy, those around us who are on a road toward condemnation, that there is a God that loves them in the way they are. As you are, God loves you. And even for those of us who have been on the road, who have perhaps missed that sign on the road that God loves you as you are, Stop trying to figure out your salvation. That's above our pay grade. I don't have the understanding and wisdom to figure out whether or not every single morning I'm truly saved. I'm just choosing to believe I'm on the road. What? For some of us, that just messed us up because I, I thought I was able to do something to assure it. The thing that assures it is faith. It isn't how many people come to Christ as a result of your testimony. It's not a result of how many people are healed because you touched them, touched them, healed them. Yes, but that is not what makes you saved. It is your faith that does. Wake up every morning regardless of what happened the night before. God, I believe that you died for me and you rose for me and I received that mercy. Thank you. I live in it today. And when I... Not if, when I hurt somebody around me, I make it right there and I wake up the next morning, God, I thank you that you lived and you died and you rose from me. And that is a mercy for when I am not perfect and I receive that on today. No more spiraling out of control because I was not perfect last week because there's nothing that I could have done anyway to be that way. And the more I surrender in faith and ride down that road with the Holy Spirit, the more I begin to see the fruit of that in my life, separate from me striving to be perfect. It's a reminder for some. Some of us have, we done already crossed that bridge. Like, yep. I beat myself up for way too many decades. I'm feeling good in Jesus now. Got the peace that was in verse one. <laughs> but some of us are not there. This is what that looks like. If you've been riding with the Lord for a while, you've already surrendered your life to Christ. This isn't for you. <laughs> That's not what this is. You don't need to be washed by water. You've been washed in the blood. It's not what this is, but what I would encourage you to do 
is to receive that truth. Receive the truth that Christ did not come to condemn you. Your patterns and your habits and your issues and your, your, your trauma response is not something that keeps you from being in a right relationship with God. If you need to know a real-life example of what that was, when I was struggling the most with that, I remembered Samson. You know the story Samson and Delilah? God, if you read that, it's pretty intense. Okay, it's in Judges. But the intensity is not based upon just what was happening, that he, what he was doing. The intensity is this is a man that God wants to use who keeps messing up. He keeps, like, God uses him, and then he goes and sins. God uses him, and then he goes and does something else he's not supposed to do. God uses him. He goes and he hangs out with a prostitute. God uses him, and then he touches stuff he's not supposed to touch. God uses <laughs> Well, if that is God's mercy <laughs> on display in the Old Testament, I don't want to live this up and down life, but let me not pretend that I'm any more or less important than Samson. <laughs> if God can and will have relationship with somebody as messy as Samson, he'll have a relationship with me too. <laughs> and it won't be that I clean myself up that made him want to be with me. It will be that I stop depending upon myself that will allow me to embrace the fact that he's already there wanting to be with me. And I'll stop running. I'll stop avoiding. So for you, this is just embrace it. God, I was messy when you found me. And I believe that you've cleaned me some. And I look forward to what it feels like to be even more clean as I continue in relationship with you. But even as I am right now, I thank you that you want to be with me. And you're not waiting until I'm perfect to speak to me. You're not waiting until I'm perfect to move in and through me. You're not waiting until I'm perfect. But even in my helplessness, God, you want me. Some of us would have a hard time saying that. Look yourself in the mirror and say God wants you as you are. God wants you as you are. 